Blog Talk Radio. will get to vote for him. I will not. 
and I'm kind of sad about that, but I'm doing my best to promote him and to help him um, get the victory. So, uh, Mr. Cleb, how are you this evening? Fresh out of the shower. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm the cleanest okay. I've ever been in a long time. <laughs> the, the bar was really low, huh? Yeah. I, yeah, the bar of soap, <laughs> it was low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well. Um, so what do you think about um, all the stuff that's uh, been going on lately in the news with Trump and um, uh, Bernie Sanders? How about that? Um he and his wife are under investigation for fraud. Yeah, the real estate thing with the college. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that's it. That well, all it. these rules, these rules aren't for the socialists. They're for everybody else. Don't you know that by now? I've heard that, but, I mean, until now I hadn't seen any proof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's got to be able to afford looking... those three. Yeah, he's got to be able to afford that six hundred thousand dollar house on the lake, you know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I I agree one hundred percent on that. You know, how, how else are you gonna? I mean, you can't make that um, on a senator's salary. No, of course so, not. But yeah, Trump is. Um, you know, it's real funny. Trump never would admit that the that the Russians tried to meddle in their elections, and now all of a sudden he has. You know, the Russians meddled, tried to meddle in the election, and Barack Obama knew it. And he did nothing about it. And somebody said to Well, that's Facebook, because they thought they they thought Hillary was going to win. That's why he did nothing about it. Well, somebody said today on Facebook, "Oh look, Trump's blaming his predecessor. I wonder where he learned that from." And <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, um, but yeah, and and oh, I I just I tell you, I, I had lunch with someone today, and we were talking about Trump, and one of the other things that's so funny is that, well, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's just more, more things to pile on with Trump. Is that you know he when when Tommy was going to testify and he dropped that memo he said I have that memo that I wrote after I had my meeting with Trump and Trump got right on Twitter and he said you know I have tapes of the conversations mm-hmm. between James Comey and I so he better be careful about what he says and then mm-hmm. like two or three days ago he tweeted that there were no tapes he never had them and. You know, so, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, who would have thought that we'd end up here? I mean, as bad as Mm -hmm. some of these presidents have been in the past, Bush, um, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, um, uh, Ford, Nixon. I mean, although Ford, I don't guess Ford was terribly bad, but then again, who knows? I mean, I haven't really studied mm-hmm. Ford that much, but now we've got Trump. And, you know, somebody said to me yesterday, if he would just keep his mouth shut, 
Um, and you know, it's there's there's an there's an old expression I've heard. Um, Closed-minded people generally can't shut their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Oh, that. (laughs) Yeah, it's. You you just gotta wonder what Trump's doing at three o'clock in the morning that causes him to go on a Twitter tirade. I mean, and he calls it. He says. Oh, the press doesn't like it because I'm going around them. Well, that's part of it. The press doesn't like him using an outlet mm-hmm. that isn't them. But the other part is, you know, if we wanted to, um, you know, to to elect a child as their president, we would have voted for Austin Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's. Mm. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. Um, so, did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we get to our guest? Well, I wondered about anything this you... Second Amendment case in California. That's what I was curious about. I don't. I just saw that the court refused to hear it, but I don't really know what was at stake. The Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah, I haven't looked into that either. Do you have any other details about it? No, they just said that they refused to hear it, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good for the pro-Second Amendment side. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what Andy Craig was talking about today when he said there were there were some good and disappointing things out of the Supreme Court today. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, but we'll focus mm-hmm. on the good for right now and worry about the bad later. But, yeah, I don't know. It's um, I mean, the Second Amendment's pretty clear. It's like I was telling you uh, this morning. You know, that's the only law we need regarding firearms is the Second Amendment. You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. clear. Um, shall not be infringed. I mean, you know, I mean, if you need help with that, let us know. We'll we'll, we'll spell it out for you. <laughs> so. Yeah, shall not be infringed, but, you know, California is kind of, you know, they are. California's state motto is shall be infringed. Everything shall right. be infringed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I always say well, that it, it, it's, it's, there's two bad things about California. It's always hot, and it's run by liberals. And I don't mean the good <laughs> liberals, the, the classical liberals. I mean the, the Democrats. Right. And I guess you heard that a bunch of um, top-ranking Democrats are really starting to rethink having Nancy Pelosi as the head of their party because after the loss in, in Georgia, um, when when Ossoff lost, and I and I posted a, a, a picture of, on Facebook. I posted a picture of Vladimir Putin, and it said, did you really think I was going to let Ossoff win? Yeah, these Democrats are really upset with Nancy Pelosi, and so she gave a statement about it and said, well, you know, they, they, may, not, they may not like me and they may think I'm causing trouble, but believe me, I'm worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what she said. I'm worth the trouble. 
you know, and and I think Andy has commented on this several times um, on Facebook and even on this show, that that as long as the Democrats keep putting up people like Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, and Chuck Schumer, you know, they're not going to be a party that people take seriously. And the only ones that do are the diehards who are going to vote Democrat no matter what. I mean, mm-hmm. the the people who would have voted for Donald Trump if he had run as a Democrat. Oh, of course. You know, and there are pe- there are people out there who can't stand Donald Trump, but yet, had he had he gotten the, the had he received the Democratic nomination, which could have just as easily happened because you know he identifies himself as a Democrat and says that their policies are what make America. Oh, work best in America or something like that, he could have just as easily gotten the nomination, and they would have been right there to vote for him. Mm-hmm. And all they, the Republicans who like him, would have been, they would have hated him. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, they, yeah, they would have hated him. They would have said, nope, can't vote for that guy. So, well, I, I guess Andy has been held up, um, and... We're going to have to get to our guest and hope that he joins us in just a few moments. And as I said earlier, Jeffrey Sanford has the night off, and he'll be back with us next time, hopefully, um, because it's always great. He always has some great questions to ask our guests. But right now, I would uh, like to introduce you to Skit Share. I had the pleasure of being at the convention to nominate him for the 71st district here in Virginia to run for the House of Delegates. I think he's a very mm-hmm. solid candidate, and I think uh, we're going to do very well having him representing us in the 71st district. So, uh, Mr. Share, how are you this evening? Joe, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're last kind that uh, he just got out of the shower. I need to get into a shower, so... Uh, it's uh, it's it's great being on your show. Um uh real quick I wanted to say uh, a good friend of mine passed away today, uh Cecil Martin, so anybody that's listening or that um, that knows Cecil here in Richmond. That's a great loss and uh, he's one of my fraternity brothers and uh, a good guy and I know a lot of people are are mourning his death today. All right. Well, um thanks for letting us know about that. Sorry um, to hear that. I thought. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I thought we'd start uh, by um, just getting you to tell us a little bit about you and your background and why you decided to run for House of Delegates. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, I, you know, I started, you know, I went to, I started here in Richmond at uh, VCU uh, as a VCU student, and. Um, I started getting the the marketing and and, and radio bug, and uh, uh, did the morning show at uh, T94 for many years, and uh, have enjoyed uh, you know meeting a lot of politicians, a lot of uh, a lot of great people here in Richmond. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing: I um, if anybody that's ever been to Richmond at least once or twice, you're going to realize that this is probably one of the the best communities uh, that we have uh, here in our uh, here in the United States. It is full of uh, different personalities. It's full of different people. It's a collection of 
Rural America. It's, it's a collection of Northern Virginians. It's a collection of the people that um, that um, just really have a passion about Richmond. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure coming in through VCU and just meeting all kinds of different people. Um, but um, you know, being a radio as a morning show personality, also a marketing director there at iHeartRadio, which was Clear Channel back then, uh, hmm. it just really allowed me to meet. Uh, so many great people. I you know, I ran for mayor as more more as a joke whenever it uh when they first had their mayoral election with um uh here here in Richmond. Uh uh Doug Walter won that that that, that year. Uh, but uh you know, I've, I've, one of the reasons I wanted to run for um House of Delegates was uh a lot because uh I, I see a, a need right now. Uh you know, we we're you guys are talking about politics with uh, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and so forth. And I, I think a lot of people, and there's a large population of, um, of Virginia that feel like that uh, they don't have a choice. You know, they don't have, um, you know, an opportunity to really vote on, um, you know, who they would like to elect because it's already predecided for them. Um, you, know, I, you know, that's one of the things that's really appealed. The, the, the libertarian party has really been appealing to me uh, was 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 because that uh, um, you meet more and more people when you tell them that uh, you're with the libertarian party you're running a libertarian party candidacy they 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 feel so obligated to tell you well you know I'm a libertarian too I've always felt like I was a libertarian but you know I felt like I didn't really have a vote I really felt like you know, my vote was wasted in a sense and. And I, I really see that 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 gap disappearing, uh, and I and I see it becoming more and more important uh, nowadays uh, because people really don't understand exactly, um, or, or they don't um, how they don't understand, but they just a lot of people are just feeling disenfranchised by uh, their current politics and their current politicians, and they're not necessarily representing them directly. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and and I, you know, Virginia is just, um, you know, and and especially Richmond. I mean, look at look what we've got. We've got so many great resources here. You know, I've always said that Richmond's always an hour from everywhere, everywhere you want to be, or an hour from the beach, or an hour from the mountains, or an hour from major metropolitan city, um, and you're a map, you're a, an hour from nowhere, uh, and uh, that's you know. Uh, Richmond is, and, and the reason uh, Richmond, you know, came to such prominence in existence was because it was the crossroads of America, uh, especially for our trains. And uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see a, a community that uh, the craft breweries uh, can survive in and do well. And uh, and um, it's also great where uh, you know people also feel very strongly, like like we were just talking about there. About our Second Amendment rights, which is so important, and uh, so many times we feel like that, that uh, you know, if, if if you go too far liberal there, then you're, they're going to take it away from you. But if you go too far to the right, it's going to be out of control. So, you know, I, I think a happy balance in between is is always needed. But you know, basically, just you know, you know, um, it really is disappointing to feel like you're not being represented and and uh, you have no control over what really happens. Uh, you know, California shouldn't be able to, to change what we do here in Virginia, but we know eventually it does. And uh, 
uh, it, you know, it's a real good sounding board of, of what the future is to come sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as a as a candidate for the House of Delegates, um, what are some of the big things you're going to focus on if you if you get elected? Right, right. Well, you know, we have you know we have a major uh, issue that's coming up, I think, in January, and uh, it's one of the the things that I'm very passionate about. Um, it's the decriminalization of smallmouth marijuana. Uh, you know, I don't you know I don't use marijuana myself, but I think that it's it's uh, in everybody's right to be able to do what what they wish. Um, you know, also studies have been have, have come about from. Colorado and other states that have legalized marijuana, where where it's been a you know it, it has not been uh, it, it's been beneficial in a sense. It's, it's reduced drunk driving, it's reduced uh, drug use in many cases. Um, and what, what ends up happening is someone gets arrested, or they get uh, you know uh, for, they get arrested with a small amount of marijuana, and the rest of their life they're dealing with legal battles. They can't get jobs. They can't. Uh, find game, you know they can't find gainful employment. Uh, um, they have something on their record that they have to carry around with the rest of their lives, especially with something that's probably going to be legalized uh, within our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know it's it, it, it's it's there in front of us, and it's it's um, it's it's something that we really need to break that cycle. Um, because what ends up happening is, uh, you know, they have it on their record, so uh, it empowers uh, uh, drug dealers. And you know, look at prohibition back in the 20s and 30s. You know, it 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 created more of a demand. It created, uh, uh, you know, gangsters. It, you know, and that's and that's what the war on drugs has done. Uh, it's, it's created a, uh, a very lucrative, uh, you know, establishment that. Uh, that you know, people people are still going to get drugs. What we really need to focus on is is really uh, you know having the opportunity for people to, to get off drugs if they wish to. Uh, the opioid epidemic is is uh, is um, outrageous right now, and people you know we need to instead of really focusing on you know um, you know keeping it from their hands because you know, we have. Uh, Pharmaceuticals uh, companies that are that are that are uh, that are making it making it available. Um, what we need to do is really focus on really people uh, giving people the, the help that they need uh, to to get off of it if they choose to. Absolutely, I would I would agree with that. Um, I think so. Um, so I know when we had your um, your nominating convention, you talked about. Um, um, uh, some other things like um, uh, the, the welfare system and, and stuff like that. Um, can you elaborate on some of that? Yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I think there, this, it's very arguable, but, uh, you know, I, I think our welfare system um, is, is, you know, and, and, what, and just uh, what, what Joe was talking about there, a lot of quite, uh, you know, I have a lot of concerns about our welfare system. I have uh, concerns about fraud, people that uh, that are um, collecting unemployment that aren't looking for jobs, people that are, um, you know, collecting checks from our, our government that that uh, don't necessarily need it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you know it, these laws and these, these, these um, 
these resources are available or are supposed to be available for people that actually need it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's very easy for somebody to, to, to cry disability because um, they don't want to work necessarily. And, and it's kind of the old libertarian um, uh, story of uh, there's no free lunches, um, which, by the way, so far, being in the Libertarian Party, I've not had a free lunch. Uh, Joe hasn't even offered to buy a lunch. So, uh, so there is definitely no free lunches. Um, and I, I don't think that, um, you know, it's, it's one of my concerns. You know, I know of, I personally know of people, so I know people who are out there doing it that are, you know, they don't necessarily have a disability, but they, but they're able to, 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 to claim a disability. Uh, those resources need to be there for those who actually need it. Those that are, that, um, and, and it is tough to determine who those people are. And uh, then there's also some uh, debate on who they could be as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it really concerns me that, uh, that we have a society where we, we do offer um, resources for people. And, and I want it to be there for the people that need it. I want it, I want it to make sure it's there. You know, when we were going through the 2008 crisis, um, you know, unemployment was uh, skyrocketing. And uh, they extended uh, unemployment uh, for people that, that needed it because it was a time of, uh, of need and I, I really think that programs like that really do that, that really do help and those um, it's great when we have it <laughs> sure I agree alright Jeff what have you got Jeff ask well, me a question there I would say that um, are you trying to run first of all Give a description of the geographic area of your district, and second of all, give the a little bit of a description of your opponent or opponents. I'm interested in knowing that. Sure. Um, the uh, this is a very interesting uh, district. Um, you know, you're dealing with a, a good portion of downtown, which doesn't necessarily have households in a sense, uh, but does uh, have uh, places like Churchill, uh, has places uh, uh, like the Fan. Uh, also goes as far as uh, Scott's Edition, and okay. uh, I know where that is, and 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 and, on the, and those areas. So it's a very unique demographic. Uh, you have all kinds of um, uh, different people that live here. Um, you know, uh, uh, the uh, my opponent uh, Jeffrey Bourne uh, is uh, is a Democrat, uh, and uh, you know the Democrats have run unopposed in this district for for a very long time. Um, uh, and I think that uh, part of the biggest thing, the challenges that we have, and, and uh, where I think that we have a great advantage, is that we do have some areas like the VCU area where where people can identify themselves as libertarians, and and may they may not know about the party, they may not know uh, that we sometimes stand uh, very similar to to the things that they um, you know that they vote for, and. Uh, you know, it's really getting those unregistered voters that have never felt like that uh, they were represented or could have uh, somebody that represents them in the um, state legislator or let, um, uh, to be able to, to vote and, and to really represent them. So uh, this is it's a very unique area. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity um, uh, that we have here uh, in the 71st District. Um, also, uh, uh, Jake Crocker, that's... Um, running for the 69th district. Um, 
he is, uh, in other words, uh, has almost a similar uh, situation that I do, where he has a, a large area of the fan and, and some of the uh, near West End. And um, mm-hmm. he has a great opportunity as well to, to really move that needle. Um, and, you know, a big part of it is education, you know, people people learning about uh, uh, Libertarian Party. And uh, a big part of it is uh, being able to to feel like their, their vote makes a, a huge difference. Because, you know, even though, um, you know, we don't have necessarily uh, large numbers, but it, if you look at the uh, Libertarian Party and throughout the years since the 70s, since the party was founded, you'll you'll see there's just it's it's just jumping by leap, leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. and it's only going to get uh, better. You know, uh, Joe, Joe always and and other people always uh, kind of always hear my uh, uh, my uh, marketing or my branding uh, pitch, um, and I usually use uh, Coke and Pepsi as as my my branding uh, tool there. Because uh, you know we we've lived in a society of, of Coke and Pepsi in our in our in our generations there, uh, and you know you're either a Coke or you're a Pepsi person. Uh, and what we're finding out now, um, you know, as as uh, as we move further along, that there's there really is a hole. There's an opportunity for for different things such as energy drinks. Um, so that's where I see the Libertarian Party as, as being that third opportunity that. People really didn't realize they had. They just they just knew drinks as uh, Coke, Pepsi, or maybe even water. Uh, you know, you can also look at the analogy with uh, Budweiser and, and Miller Lite um, to give them some plugs. Uh, but it's the same type of technique. We're becoming a craft brewery type um, society. We love craft beers. You just don't walk up to a bar and, and uh, necessarily order a Miller Lite anymore. You have thousands of choices to choose from, and uh, mm-hmm. does that make things better? Absolutely, it does. Because uh, you know, I'm going to try something a little bit more local. I'm going to try something. Competition uh, that, uh, is always good. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and plus, it, it really is. Uh, you know, it really paints a picture of, of Richmond because Richmond is that. If you were to think of Richmond, it's not necessarily, um, especially when you're talking about the 71st district. You're not necessarily looking. It's definitely not a Budweiser district or a Miller Lite district. It is your craft brewers. Um, they're they're popping up uh, even uh, the grocery store um, down the street from me. Uh, they're in Churchill in the Shaco Bottom area. Uh, they just opened up a um, a growler uh, bar inside the grocery store, and it allows you to try all different kinds of beers, and you can bring them home in, in, a, in a big bucket. So, you know, that's, I think, the way our society is really moving towards anyway, is we are becoming a, a land of opportunity and choices, uh, which we didn't feel like we really had before. We didn't feel like we had a choice other than Republican or Democrat, but we're finding out very quickly that we do have choices, and uh, um, as we continue to push along, Especially uh, in all these uh, small elections, that where they happen first, um, it really does and can move the needle. And when we look at ourselves two or three years from now, when we have a presidential election, um, the Libertarian Party is going to get more votes. They're going to get more notoriety. They're really going to realize that, uh, or people are going to, you know, stand up and realize, well, wait a second. Not only does my vote really count, but my vote. Uh, counts uh and, and 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 actually I get to vote for somebody that I really believe in. How much of a uh 
a libertarian, how much of a libertarian do you consider yourself? Are you like straight down the line, 100% ideological pure, or do you have a little bit of um, uh, li- social liberal in you, or are you, you come from the conservative side? I mean, I know you just didn't wake up and become a libertarian. What, what was your, how did you get here? Oh, yeah, here yeah, and, and, I don't know. I, I, I did wake up and I'm, it was one day I was no, absolutely. Um, I, I consider myself um, very middle of the road. There are some things where, you know, and um, uh, one of the things I think that uh, an attribute that people can t- can say about me, though, is that, uh, you know, I like to listen to both sides. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, um, you know, extreme conservatism. I'm not extreme uh, liberal. Um, I do have some social uh, liberal views, uh, but that fluctuates on, you know, um, number one, education, as I find out more information about different things. Um, uh, but also, you know, um, financially and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I, can, I see myself in different areas as, as being conservative. And I, and I, I really think that's, that's a general synopsis of, of, of most people anyway. It's, it's, it's driving down the middle of the road where, you know, um, your Republican Party and your Democrats ask you to either go left or right in some way or fashion. Um, but um, as being a true, to answer your question, to be a, you know, a true uh, libertarian, I, I, I do think that the Libertarian Party, um, uh, you know, does have uh, some identity issues in a sense because I've met several libertarians that have different views about different things, and um, you know, I find myself on on both sides of that. Hmm. I find myself that I'm about an 80% libertarian, but I'm closer to the platform in my alignment than I am with the Democrats or the Republicans. I, I tend to come from the – I guess I'm a right-wing conservatarian if there is such a thing. I come from the right, right side, right, yeah. but I know others and who I, come I, from I, the I've left always, side, and we're still both libertarians. you know. Right. And I, I've said many times I'm a very conservative um, liberal, and I, I think that's yeah. a really good uh, – um, <laughs> And I, and I think it's a good label if you, if you were to put it on the idea of it. Um, the good thing is, um, you know, we don't necessarily have um, – um, we have a lot of flexibility, um, especially with working um, – and, and we see it every day every time we open up the newspaper or to put it on Fox News or, or put it on CNN, whatever, regardless, you know. Uh, everybody's, uh, you know, accusing the uh, the other side of the aisle, um, or for something, you know, ridiculous. And it, it, sometimes I feel like we're just in a giant custody battle, uh, where you know everybody says, "Don't go to that parent, go to the other parent," you know. Uh, and I, the people that pay the price is is, is us. Uh, and I. I know, you know, looking back on on history and so forth, it's always been uh, it's always been an issue. But you know, for some reason, it just seems now that it's just gotten worse, and it's not. It's the worst. It doesn't seem there's hope for it. It just Mm -hmm. seems like it's just going to continue to get worse, and and people are going to do whatever it takes to to become elected or whatever, and not really um, address the actual issues that are going on. Yeah. Well. Mm -hmm. Here's something I've I've got for you, Skip. Uh, your opponent 
is Jeff Bourne, who's a Democrat. Uh, there really isn't anybody else running um, in this race, no Green Party, no Independent. So you're up against Jeff Bourne, and, you know, I walked this district in 2014, I think it was, or no, 2015. I walked the whole district to Steve Emholt, who ran as an Independent, and I, and I helped him, and I got to know the district really well, and I got to see parts of the city that I never saw before, and I saw these people, and a lot of people were receptive and responsive, and, of course, Steve got 12% of the vote when he ran against Jennifer McClellan. So my question is, um, how, are, how are you going to convince people to vote for you as opposed to just giving the rubber stamp of approval to Jeff Bourne? Who the Democratic Party, by the way, just, I mean, he, they put him here. This is just a stepping stone for him, just like it was for Jennifer McClellan. They got him to run for city council, not because they thought he had good ideas for city council, but because, well, you kind of need to do that before you run for House of Delegates, and then you kind of you need to run for House of Delegates before you go into the state Senate and so on. So, I mean, what is your plan to win over the people in this district. Well, I like the way you said that because uh, you know uh, it, it, it's it's almost a layup for for the Democratic Party whenever they put somebody in this district because it's just almost an automatic where 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 they don't really go up against anyone. Uh, um, but um, you know, my plan is, is it's extremely simple. It's it's getting people registered to vote. And it's really getting people to to, to meet the candidates. I mean, um, uh, to meet me, and uh, you know, just really have um, um, you know an understanding of of of, of the district and, and and the people inside it. Uh, you know, it, it really frustrates me, you know, because you know, and and in Jeff's defense as well, you know, the people that that, that run for office are, are, you know, I've I've been on some HOAs. Uh, before too, and 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 to me, a lot of times it's so much similar uh, because you know these are the people that actually care and that that are actually willing to go come up and and actually do something about it. These are the people that that you know that stand and and uh, you know walk the district and really find out what people people's needs are, and 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 most importantly, um, you know they're the ones that uh, you know. Uh, Sometimes I have to get up at three o'clock in the morning because um, of something. There, there's an issue or there's a concern. You know, uh, politicians. You know, they they always have their phone numbers published and their addresses there, so you know exactly where to find them. Um, so, I think it's important. Uh, number one, I think the way you can make a difference is uh, to by uh, just meeting uh, the people in, in the district. Uh, you know, and, and and also putting a face with with the party. Uh, you know, the majority of of the people that they, they say they don't know the Libertarian Party is because they haven't met a Libertarian, uh, and they don't. Well, they don't think they have, but you know, they uh, they don't realize how how common uh, it really is when you get down to it. So it's it really is it's, it's a marketing push. It's it's a um, it's 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 letting people know that uh, you know your neighbor uh, is somebody that concerns about the community, and uh, it's it's really going out there and shaking hands and uh, just making a difference. Mm. Sure, I mean that 
that sounds like a great plan to me. Because um, I know when we walked the district in 2015, it was a lot of ground to cover. Um, I can give you some pointers. Um, I don't think the Democratic Party is going to be as unprepared as they were in 2015. They had no idea that Steve Inholt had walked the entire district. And when they right. found, and I mean, he literally, he literally walked the entire district. We covered just about every house in the district that had a registered voter in it. And they weren't expecting that. And the last week before the election, they panicked. They got the mayor out. They got Rosalind Dance to come out. And, I mean, to get Rosalind Dance to walk a neighborhood, I mean, you literally have to be in triple panic. Um, um, you know, I mean, you know and, and so, I mean, she won because she was literally having her people call up registered voters in the district and say, go to the polls today and vote for Jennifer McClellan. They didn't care who she was. They didn't care what she stood for. They were coming to the to the place where I voted. I mean, where, not where I voted, where I stood and handed out stuff for Steve Imholt. They were coming there with the phone up to their ear going, who did you say that you wanted me to vote for again? I can't remember. And the person on the other mm, end of the phone was saying Jennifer McClellan, and they were spelling it out. And so they were in, they were in panic mode. And you know, I guess I guess what I'm saying is we have to be prepared for that. Oh, absolutely. We have to know how to combat that. The top of my awareness is is always the most important thing. Uh, uh, being out there, especially two months before the election, is probably the most important time uh, because people are actually um, once people get out of um, August, they go back to school. That's uh, when people start getting back into their rhythms. Um, summer vacations are over, um, and, and and that's when you know people are actually thinking about uh, politics and elections. Um, this is mm-hmm. not going to be as as a big as as big as it was uh, you know this last November, obviously, because it's, it's not a presidential election. But you know it's still going to be important, especially uh, mm-hmm. it's very important locally. So. Um, you're not going to have the international push or, 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 or top of mind awareness, but you know, if somebody knocks on your door and they and they're concerned about you know, uh, you know, and they and they really want to listen to 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 really what your concerns are, you know, that that really is going to change a lot of people's opinions, um, you know. But we have to always remember that the people that are walking the streets um, uh, in our community, you know, even Jeff uh, Jeff Bourne. You know, these we're all neighbors here. We're, you know, we all live together in this community. So, you know, we all have a concern. You know, and we want to make things better. I think that's the important thing to get out of it is is to uh, to it's, it's almost like when you're um, you know on a nature trail, whatever. You always want to leave things better than you found it. And I think that's the way. That's an important message that I think people forget. Absolutely. It, it, it's a very it's a very important message, um, and I, I and I just want to stress here that I really do think you're a good candidate, and I think with your marketing skills and the background that you have, um, you're going to do very well here. And 
you know, I'm hoping that you'll get into the to the forums with um, with Jeff, and you know, you'll get to um, talk about um, your issues, and you know, they can see the stark contrast between you and Jeff because you know, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that Jeff is a sincere guy. I think. I, I just think he kind of, and I hate to say this, but he kind of looks dumbfounded every time I see him. Like he doesn't really know why they put him there. He wants to do a good job, but he can't figure out why they picked him and why am I here? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> he says, but he says, okay, I'm here, so I might, I'll do the best job that I can. But you know, he's just. You know, for lack of a better word, and, and, and you can't say this, but I can because I'm not the candidate. He's, a, he's, he's basically a huge for the Democratic Party. He's a warm body. So I swear I, I, I said it. But anyway, I, but, you know, I, I do think you're going to be a, a good choice. Um, glad we nominated you. And I think as the campaign goes on, um, we're going to see a lot of people getting behind you. Um, Jeff, do you have well, anything great, else yeah. you'd like to ask, Skip? Yeah, I would. Um, there's not a Republican in the race, correct? Correct. So they basically have written off the district. They have. They have. And that's, I mean, well, once again, it's, it's um, you know, maybe they're, you know, focusing their resources somewhere else, obviously. Uh, I know that the um, Republican Party is kind of in the um, uh, the downtown area, and the fan, uh, you know, really is, is is somewhat, in a sense, non-existent. They they spend a lot of their time and efforts in in Henrico, in Henrico County, uh, Chesterfield, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Southside. Um, you know, I, I live in Hanover, and they're big out here. Right, and you know. You know there's a, there's a saying of fish when the fishing is good, and those are areas where you can where you can fish very well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and the primary races were probably the big races uh, in those communities because, in those senses, there wasn't a um, um, there wasn't a Democrat, so it was it was the Republicans fighting uh, for for uh, the name on the ballot. So uh, this is one of those districts, and I and I think that's where that's great for us because it's great improve. Uh, it's a great place for us to to improve our numbers and uh, to get out there and and to, and and once again, uh, I can't reiterate enough um, to really get people to to meet someone from the Libertarian Party and to really understand exactly you know that uh, Libertarian Party is is is. Uh, is is just the way they feel in, in many senses. People uh, would be uh, surprised of, of how much of a libertarian they are if they really knew um, uh, that it really did represent them. Because you know it's it's that middle of the road type place. You know, yeah, you're 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 not necessarily Democrat, you're not necessarily Republican, but you you know we do want to keep our guns. You know, we do want uh, um, uh, to uh, free up our our court system uh, from 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 petty uh, crime or for petty uh, drug issues. Um, you, know, w- you know, once we uh, really cross over that threshold of the de- de- decriminalization of small amounts of marijuana, um, it's going to free up a lot of our courts with uh, you know 
small, petty issues that uh, that we're dealing with. Once again, that's going to eventually be legalized uh, throughout our our country at some point. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're we're learning that that's that's actually a reality that's going to end up happening because the results are from these states that are legalizing marijuana. Uh, they, these are great results. These are exactly what uh, uh, the people that uh, voted for these measures um, uh, they were expecting, and uh, it's 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 going to become a reality. The failure on the war of drugs really is is um, is 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 a, is a failure in many senses. So uh, I really am encouraged with with the results that are coming out from from uh, the state of Colorado from the public safety, um, you know, California as well, and other states, uh, Oregon. And so forth, with, that are coming out with good news about this, and uh, it it really is going to be an eye-opening uh, situation for well, for us. They put a hole in the black be, market. Yeah, that's right. Right, people are going to get it regardless. Uh, you know, if, I uh, think if a, you a, ban a good libertarian, yeah, if you ban books, uh, you know, people are going to they're going to find it somewhere. Uh, you know. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, we, I interrupted you. Were saying about no, no. I was going to say a good a good libertarian message. I don't know how well it would play in the inner city, but if you can kind of express to people, look, you know, the the police have violent crime and and vandalism and theft and serious things to worry about. Whether some guy is firing up a bong in his third floor apartment, and I think if you can bring it that you know most, I think most Virginians, most rational Virginians value their second amendment even if they're not gun nuts they value the right to self-defense and most virginians i think they find abortion squeamish but i still think most people in virginia are pro-choice and most people don't want the government invading their personal space like that they don't want the government taking away you know they don't want the democrats coming after the guns they don't want the republicans coming after their moral issues and they don't want government waste from either party. So I think there is a viable libertarian message to be Absolutely. gotten out there that, hey, we live in a free country. We live in one of the best states in the union. They just said that Virginia is on course to become the 10th largest um, state in the union. We're having sure. a lot Absolutely. of people come here. It, there must be reasons people – I'm a transplant. There must be reasons people are coming here. But we got to convince people to, that when you come here – don't bring your voting habits from New Jersey or California or Maryland and screw it up so that it will be bad just like those places were. Think about why you want to come here. Think about freedom. And sometimes, I, I, as a libertarian, you have to tell people, look, sometimes, you know, if you're, you know, really far right, you might have to accept the idea that gay people can get married. You may not like it, but you're going to have to sure. accept that. People are going to use exactly. drugs. You have to accept that. But those people also have to accept you have a Second Amendment right to defend yourself. You have a right to your religious liberty to you know, practice your faith as you see fit. And both of you leave each other alone, and you'd be surprised how peaceful society can be when people are left to make their own decisions as consenting adults and as sovereign Absolutely. citizens don't, yeah, instead don't of having to get across the street. Yeah. If you make the government so big that they're going to come after somebody else's guns, well, you can bet that big government is going to come after you wanting to be with your gay partner or whatever, or wanting to put something in your body or whatever you do. You can't make big government only go after the Republicans or only go after the Democrats. It's going to come after everybody. It's like you, you, you get a pit bull with AIDS and you turn him loose in the backyard. You don't know who he's going to attack. 
and people just seem to be okay with growing the government as long as it suits their agenda, but then they get mad when it infringes on their rights. And I think the libertarians have a damn good opportunity right now, not just here but everywhere else, to put up a message of, look, live your life as you see fit. Get the, there is a role for the government to play, but it needs to be at the right size and the right level, and I don't think people address that enough. Yeah. That, you know, you, yeah. have, you have this false exactly. dichotomy of central planning versus nihilism. Well, you know, as as the Libertarian Party grows and people uh, uh, become part of it or, or, or at least vote for it, um, you know, it, it, it becomes, you know, a louder message that they're going to have to recognize. Um, you know, it's just it's almost like the analogy of the, uh, you know, microbrews or whatever. You know, at, at some point they're, they're going to be big enough that, you know, Budweiser or whoever is going to have to address it. Uh, and that's the same thing in, in our government. And, uh, you know, people are going to have to change, and, and they're going to have to realize um, uh, that it, it's a reality. And they don't need to be judging from across the street uh, and, and telling people what they need to do. Um, and as long as it doesn't infringe on their uh, their rights, uh, it really shouldn't concern them. Um, you know, liberty uh, and freedom were, were born here in this state, Virginia. That's why everyone wants to come here. Uh, because uh, we are um, uh, a great society, and uh, you know, as much as people want to tell, uh, you know, the United States or Virginia or or whomever that uh, where we we live in such a horrible country or a horrible time, you know, people are still um, dying to get here. People are still doing whatever they can to make it to America because we are the land of opportunity, and we are the land of freedom. So. We have a great, Amen. Uh, we have a great area. We have a great, wonderful society, and uh, you know, it's it, it's great that we have, you know, people like yourselves and and, and Joe and uh, and uh, uh, the people that I've met uh, with the Libertarian Party here in Richmond that uh, just have such a passion for it, and and uh, you know, they're they they want to make a difference, and that's what we all want to do. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh well, we'll skip. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, what they can do if they want to volunteer, and make a plug for donations. Absolutely. You, know, you can go to skipfor71.org, um, and uh, you can make a donation there, or you know, um, find out some some uh, areas that we're going to be in. Uh, the other uh, thing that you know, go to uh, your local libertarian uh, website. Joe, what's the what's the website for the Richmond um, for the, the Libertarian Party of Central? The, the, yeah, the, the the Libertarian Party of Richmond website is ltrva.weebly.com. That's w-e-e-b-l-y.com. ltrva.weebly.com, and we have Skip's information there. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, just you know, just being involved. I mean, I think it's the most important thing. Even if you can't necessarily donate uh, money, maybe donate time, uh, and just just get the word out. You know, uh, it really takes. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to to to, uh, to make a difference. And uh, um, uh, but if you put a big effort into it, then uh, you know, we're going to get there a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Um, uh, you've been a wonderful guest. 
and we're very happy to have you on, and um, we hope you'll get some volunteers to sign up and help with your campaign from the folks that are listening tonight. And thank you so much for coming on and um, telling us about what it is you're planning to do, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on before you get elected, but we'll definitely have you back on after you get elected because your phone is going to sound a lot different from your new office. <laughs> well, thanks. Mm-hmm. I, hope it, I hope I had a good connection. Joe, I do have to ask you uh, on a personal question there. What was the music that you were playing before your podcast? Uh, um, oh, really, was, well, did, we were you, was that a personal to, selection from you? We we had we um we try to um play uh, a different tune every week or at least every other week. Uh, that was actually um, a tune by a, a by the band leader by the name of Gary Lawrence, and his band is called the Sizzling Syncopators. And it was actually a song somebody actually wrote in tonight, just as they did the last time I played it. They said, "Is that the hustle?" And the answer is yes, it is. So um, wow, that, that's great. That's yeah, that's what that is. If you if you were alive in the seventies, um, and then you remember the hustle. <laughs> the yeah, absolutely. Very I, don't, I don't think I can do the hustle, but I remember it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, Skip, uh, thanks so much for coming well, thanks on. Thanks, guys, for and having me, said, well, and it's it's a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to, right. to talking to you guys in the future. And good all luck, right. and sorry for the loss of your friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're getting ready to go to, um, you know, a, a prayer uh, outing and. Uh, um, and uh, really have some remembrance, and uh, I think there's going to be adult beverages. All right. So. You take care, Skip. All right, thank take you. Take care. Thanks for coming tonight. All right, bye-bye. So um, that was Skip Sher. He's running for House of Delegates in the 71st District here in Virginia. He's a very solid candidate. Um, it sounded like you were pretty impressed, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he's 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 got his act together. Um you know, he uh he sounds like, you know, he's not one of these way out, far out anarchist types, you know. So Yeah, because we sounds like a common sense guy. Program. Well, they're around. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I meant to ask him what his views were on selling the governor's mansion. Yeah, well, I think you're running for House of Delegates. That's a little out of his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that'd be a little well, bit of know, a... He, he could introduce a bill, but I guess that... Um, that's like somebody running for the U.S. Senate, and he said he would sell the White House. You know, that's a little... <laughs> you're reaching a little bit there. Well, I mean, I... I you know, that would scare me because I believe that some of those folks think they can actually do that. Well, you know, everybody in the Senate, there's a hundred of them, and they all think they could do a better job than the president, you know? Mm-hmm. But they don't ever run for president. Most of them don't run for the presidency. Well, I know one who did, McCain. Oh, well, he did. But, you know. Most of them. I mean, McCain was a joke. It was my turn. It was my turn. I'm going to do that. It was my turn. Is that, is that Don't your impression say anything of, about my of John McCain? John McCain. Don't tell me anything about 
No, Hillary Clinton would be, I don't feel no ways tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you see the, uh, there was Chuck Schumer was on there talking about the president needs to help get all the 100 Senate members together and the Republicans need to sit down with the Democrats and fix Obamacare, you know? And it was like, you know, they didn't include the Republicans on anything. And Obama even said the Republicans had to ride in the back of the bus. Now, if a white Republican had said that pertaining to something Obama did, everybody would have gone nuts. But I just find that Chuck Schumer is trying to sound all sincere and, you know, like he, he has the best interest of the country at heart when he's voted for things that have screwed over this country so terribly, you know, and he's talking about partisanship and all that. But they, he wasn't singing that tune when they were in the when they were in the majority. I just think that's very funny, you know, and, well, you know, then the Repu- the Republicans had a vote. They they had 60 votes and they were going to uh, submit a repeal bill to Obama. They put it on his desk. Of course, he would veto it. But now that the Republicans have the votes, now they won't submit the same bill because they know Trump might sign it. So, you know, these Republicans, they're just as bad as the Democrats. They don't want they, – they still want the government involved in this. They just think they can run it better. They really don't want to repeal Obamacare. They honestly don't want to. They still want to – they think they can do it better. They can manage a better – a bad program better than the Democrats can. And the hypocrisy is just, I wouldn't put much faith in it. If you have something that the government shouldn't be doing, it's unconstitutional, it's not enumerated power, there's a reason why the government shouldn't be involved in that. Does it really make you feel any better if your party is doing it? It's kind of like, well, we shouldn't be pulling off this bank heist, but we're going to do it and we can probably do it and get more money than those other people can. So we need you to support us. Ah, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's just, it's very aggravating, you know, and we're just watching the, you know, we're, we're 20 some trillion dollars in debt, you know, and now they're saying there's more homeless vets in Los Angeles over on Skid Row. And, you know, it's just, it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I just, you know, how bad is this going to get? I mean, eventually we're probably going to get single payer because the Democrats are likely to retake the Senate in 2018. I doubt they'll get the House, but there's a chance they could. Um, And then if they get a Democrat president in 2020, hello, single payer. You know, the United States will get it because the people are going to get so tired of this Obamacare doesn't work, Trump care doesn't work, yada, 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 and the people are just going to basically demand it. And somebody running, you know, Bernie Sanders will get up there and say, there is no reason why the government should not support health care for everybody. Well, that sounded more like Jesse Jackson than Bernie Sanders, but you get my drift. I was thinking it was Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Get to the chopper. Yeah, I mean, I just watched this. I think our country has about 40 or 50 years left at the most, and I'm being generous if we continue on our current path. Um, you know, the, between being overrun, you know, overrun on our borders, the debt, 
these entanglements in foreign wars everywhere and erosion of constitutional rights. Um, you know, you see these people, they're called civil rights activists, but they don't believe in civil rights at all. I keep seeing these people, civil rights advocate on TV, but they don't believe in the First Amendment unless you say what they want. They certainly don't believe in the Second Amendment. They don't really give a crap about the Fourth Amendment. They don't like the Fifth Amendment. They don't really even care about the Eighth Amendment, and they certainly don't care about the Tenth Amendment. So how can somebody like that be a civil rights advocate? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the wrong paper, but it doesn't look good for the future of our country. But, hey, you know, this will probably all, you know, blow over. It'll blow up by the time I've, you know, I'm taking a dirt nap. But, you know, my son and his children are going to have to suffer for it. And, you know, I just, I was hoping my son would inherit a country that's more prosperous and more free. But I'm not seeing it. I mean, what say you? You don't have children, but. Are you that pessimistic about it? Uh, well, I'm. I'm no, I'm not at all because I, I see a lot of a lot of, you know, great things happening. And since Andy wasn't able to make the program tonight, I like to take this last few minutes of the show, um, to read something that he wrote today, and it was very insightful. And I and I tell you the truth, I think it's um, pretty. Um, a good argument that he made, and I'm I'm pulling it up now as we as we. Andy um, Craig is a man who is wise beyond his years. You really think he's so, a lot older um, than he is when you speak to him? Absolutely. So um um, and it, it's basically I'll just I'll just read exactly as he wrote it. It says annoying things some libertarians do. Part two marginalizing our history of success and real policy victories. I saw a recent post, well-meaning to be sure, that casually referred to how libertarians should all agree that we are very far from any of our goals. I bring that up as an example just because it's a common sentiment I see. Well, I, I see. Well, I don't agree with that at all. Hold on a second. I, I lost my place. So we're going to we're going to get I well, I don't agree with that at all. I think a lot of our goals are very much within reach, not in the distant hypothetical future, but within the next decade or two. To make the point, a bit of historical perspective is in order. In no particular order, consider the following facts. 50 years ago, military conscription seemed a perpetual reality of American life. Jim Crow was on its last legs, but still very much alive. Anti-miscegenation laws had only just been, miscegenation laws had only just been struck down, and full desegregation was not complete. Consensual relationships between adults of the same sex were criminalized in 49 states. The last big expansion of the welfare state had sailed through with bipartisan support just a few years prior. Concealed carry was banned in half the country, with most of the rest of the states only having severely restricted May-issue permits. A major federal gun control law was about to be passed, again with broad bipartisan support. Harsh drug laws were being passed in many states, with the federal war on drugs soon to come. 
with new draconian sentences being handed down, all with overwhelming popular support. Currencies were exchanged only at government-set official exchange rates, and it was illegal for private citizens to owe gold bullion. Tariffs and other trade barriers compared to today were much higher and more impoverishing. K-12 school choice and privatization was still a distant theory, the whole idea known, if it was known at all, as little more than a last-ditch ploy of die-hard racists. In many states, homeschooling was illegal or effectively illegal. Since then, the draft has been abolished and its revival is treated as beyond the pale. State-sanctioned segregation is dead and buried. We have full legal equality for gays and lesbians, including marriage. Welfare for the poor was heavily reformed to ameliorate but not yet end many of its poverty traps and to curtail its spending growth. Obamacare is the only major welfare state expansion in recent decades, and it's an unpopular failure that never had bipartisan support. Gun laws have been radically liberalized, with carrying legalized in some form in all 50 states, and with a friendly Supreme Court giving a firm shove in that direction to recalcitrant jurisdictions. Even the party that normally supports gun control is afraid to propose much more than marginal changes, and they get burned at the polls even for that. Marijuana has been fully legalized in some states. Most others have at least medicinal marijuana, and even on harder drugs, backlash against mandatory minimums and mass incarceration has started to translate into real policy changes and reform legislation being passed. The momentum on criminal justice policy has firmly shifted in their direction. International free trade has become much more of the norm, with tariffs and trade barriers falling left and right in the past five decades. Currencies float freely at market exchange rates, and you can freely own gold or silver or even Bitcoin if you prefer. School choice is the major topic in education policy today, with many states having implemented some form of it, including vouchers or tax credits, charter schools, and liberalizing homeschooling laws. In one way or another, ideological libertarians were involved in all of these changes. In many cases, they were the ones advocating them long before a broader political coalition got on board. In some cases, libertarians were central to pushing those changes from their inception through to implementation. And that's just taking thing about modern libertarians as such, without going into all the victories of their classical liberal predecessors. You know, little things like abolishing slavery, founding the United States, the Enlightenment, the Industrial Revolution, etc. Um, so it, it goes on and, and talks about more, but I just thought that when you, when you read that and you listen to, to that, um, it kind of makes you um, happy in a way that we've come all that way in the last few decades, and it's only going to get better. And that's my opinion. That's Andy's opinion. So some people, um, they they think it's getting worse, but, you know, that, that's their take. So, um, Jeff, I, I, I see you got some stuff that was going awesome. on there. So 
That was pretty awesome yeah. that uh, he had said that. I, I, I do find that I, I still worry about the foreign entanglements, the terrorism. Um, I see our culture being eroded. Um, you know, the debt, the level of debt and deficit and the growth of government is frightening. I mean, some of that stuff he put in there, that is good. And a lot of that stuff we've taken for granted. You know, it, it was within my lifetime that the anti-miscegenation, as opposed to misogyny, as you said, but the anti-miscegenation laws, um, that was Virginia versus Loving. I know, and I, I know the words sound alike, but Virginia versus Loving, that was 1967. I was born in 1965. So that's not exactly ancient history, you know? I mean, there are people alive who went through that, and I, and I have seen that, you know, you can have um, – you know, Andy being Andy being a homosexual, you know, he can probably be somewhere with his partner and nobody would bat an eye. I mean, it's not my thing. It's not for me. But I've, I've liberal, I guess liberalized is the right word to use. I've liberalized my position on that. I used to be kind of against that and didn't understand why two people of the same sex would want to get married. But, you know, as a divorce straight guy, I'm like, you know what? It's none of my business. I have my personal opinion and my political opinion, and I don't want someone like Andy forcing a view on me, so why should I try and force a view on Andy, just to, not to pick on him specifically, but, um, you know, we could well, both go about here. our lives. I know, he's not here to defend himself, but, um, you know, he's certainly <laughs> well, well-versed beyond his years. He's very wise. He sounds like somebody a lot older. And if I had had that wisdom that he does when I was his age, I would have been, you know, who knows where I'd be now. But um, I, I, I think there's a lot of positive things, and I do still think we're the greatest country in the world. But I, I think if we're, we continue our, our current path, we're going to be in for some serious problems in a couple decades because of the terrorism and the, the you, know, un, you know, uninvited intervention into foreign wars our currency, the debt, there are mainly fisc the social issues. I mean, that's going to happen. Okay. I mean, we're still trying to fight the culture war that was lost 30 years ago, but I just, you know, we all want our children to grow up in a country that's safer than it was when we grew up. And in a lot of ways it is safer now than we grew up. There was bad stuff going on back then, but we just didn't know about it. You know, we were, we were naive. We didn't have, social media we didn't have 24 7 news we didn't even have cable tv you had three channels and that's and that's part of the problem because you know um i was reading an article yesterday about um the number of terrorist attacks that happen around the world is down from what it was 30 years ago um it's 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 much lower than what it was 30 years ago um Crime is down now. That's overall. Um, you can you can pick certain areas where you know it might have gone up or it stayed the same. But this article specifically talked about New York City and how it's safer today to put your nine-year-old child on the subway and send them to the store than it was 25 years ago. I remember um, in the 70s you know, in New York, it was horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I and, live there. And the, and, the, and, the, and the problem that you have with all of this is people are letting the news media shape their view, whatever particular topic you want to talk about. And the news media is not 
is not stupid. The news media knows this. And just to give you an example, a week ago or a week and a half ago, whatever it was, you had a, a white guy in the U.K. take a van and ram a whole bunch of Muslims in front of their mosque. And the media talked about it for a half a day or a day, and that was it. Um, most of the media just kind of said, oh, well, that, you know, this and that. But any time it's, it, it's a Muslim person doing that, they talk about it for two weeks. Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, they just go on and on and on, and they try to make you think, here we go again, here we go again. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, there's so much more going on than that that happens every day that the media doesn't cover. And they and somebody said, well, we don't want to get to the point where we normalize terrorism. And I get that. I understand that. But we don't want to get to, we don't want to get to the point where we're overblowing it and making it worse than it is because people are getting hurt by this. And I, I don't know what that guy's motives were in the UK. I mean, somebody was telling me today, well, it's quite obvious what his motives were. He doesn't like Muslims, and he was attacking them because he said something to the effect of, I was just getting them before they got me. You know, well, he's going to be sitting in jail for a long time if he doesn't get the death penalty. So, um, you know. Well, they don't have the death penalty. They don't, no. Um, So he'll he'll be sitting in jail for quite a long time. And as we saw from our last guest that we had on our last show, uh, Terry Hurst, he went into all the details about why it's cheaper to keep somebody alive in prison than it is to actually give them the death penalty. Now, then there's the argument of, well, I think certain people really should get the death penalty no matter how much it costs because they're just really bad people. And that, you know, that's an argument um, you know, that, I mean, how much does a bullet cost? It's not that. It's not that much. Well, yeah, I know how much does it. But you know, when you start taking the law into your <laughs> I'm own just hands, messing with, I'm messing with you. I sir. know you. I, I'm, I, I, I know. I know. I know. I mean, I know you are. Because I mean, you don't even know how to shoot a gun, Jeff. I'm, I'm aware of that. Oh no, <laughs> no, I've never shot a gun before. No, no, of course not. No. What would I know about no, guns? I think, uh, no, I uh, no, you you don't. I mean, I I think I think the only the only um, weapons you've ever used were an Uzi and a bazooka. Right, so. and I went out in my <laughs> front yard and ran around with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's legal in Chesterfield County, you know. <laughs> uh, no, not quite. I don't think that's legal <laughs> anywhere. So. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, we had a good show tonight. I'm sorry Andy couldn't be here. I'm sorry Jeffrey Sanford wasn't here tonight. But we're going to do it again soon. And, Jeff, you you have a good evening. Yeah, you do the same, Joe. I'll talk to you later and um, keep fighting the good fight for liberty, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.